0: We come to Ephesians 2, and Tanya's magnificent, not embarrassing, powerful, beautiful reading of God's Word. Sometimes I'm pretty dense, but um, yeah, got, you'd have to get hit by like a two-by-four not to notice God working in that um, so I do want to uh, you know celebrate that and how much how, how much God is ultimately weaving things together he knows what he's doing and he understands hostility and um, prejudice the Apostles uh, I mean the Jewish people just by the end of that time were prejudiced against everybody else think about how they thought of it ethnically You were a Jew, or you were whatever other ethnic group that didn't matter, that's Gentiles, or worst of all, you were a Samaritan. In our culture not that long ago, what you might call an Oreo, that would be worse. That's just how they thought of it. And all the rivalries that come out of that, not even really acknowledging a whole lot of validity to any other ethnic group except their own. there's all Gentiles. And part of why they went into that is they had been oppressed. And you, know, you can really get an us-versus-them mentality if you've been uh, you know kind of beat down for a long enough period of time. We want to make sure that we take a passage like this, which was not written about our American experience, uh, but still touches on so many themes amazingly today, and determine that we build on God's foundation and really understand the essence or identity, the function, and the form of the church with that little quote. Um, The church is not built on the rock foundation of geniuses and influencers, but of apostles and prophets. There's a big difference in kind of your whole philosophy of leadership, whether you're primarily trying to be a genius and an influencer or stay true to what the apostles and New Testament prophets preserved for us on the back of the Old Testament prophets who predicted it. But that calling has already been given. It was given in the apostolic age when they were alive. We don't need, in that sense, a new beginning. We need to return to the new beginning given 2,000 years ago. In the end, when push comes to shove, do we trust our intellect, our intuition, our political savvy? Or do we trust God's revelation? Much of the time, all that can work together, but sometimes it can't. And in the end, which one is really your foundation? We have to answer that question. They're not always opposed. You're going to need all of your intellect, all of your intuition, even all of your shrewdness and savvy to really understand the scriptures. But the challenge is, once you really understand them, they turn around and blow all that up. (laughs) And you, you face times in life where you say, am I going to trust what is said to be the foundation and just keep building on that? Or am I gonna leave that foundation? What are we building on? We are celebrating Black History Month this month, acknowledging that. Micah told the Jewish people, but ultimately all humanity, 2,700 years ago, it's not really new, God's already showed us what is good. Practice justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, and we like we parse those and we split those up. And really, you have to do all three to do any of them well. So I want to make a couple comments before jumping into the passage, just with the time that we have left. Um, I want to tell a story, a story about me, because I love to talk about me. Um, (laughs) But I want you to consider this. 1981, okay. um, and I'm with three of my friends. One of them's a drug dealer. Uh, a friend's house, he's away. His family's away. Um, and he's left a window open so that we can go in and hang out and party at the house. War on drugs is just starting to kick up, okay? because we obviously have a big drug problem in our culture, and people are trying to figure out how to deal with it. So I'm in there. I actually walked in the front door. I didn't even climb in the window, Um, but we went up to the bedroom and the one friend who's a marijuana dealer, he's got all of his paraphernalia and he's he's cutting all those bags up and he's got them all going on and everything. The other three of us in there, we're partying, got our rock music playing. Wham! Bedroom door flies open, cops, shotguns, (laughs) freeze. Wow. We're up against the wall. I got hauled out in handcuffs in my own neighborhood. I had to do, you know, I had to go to court. It was all fun. And I was a white male, in suburbia, with obvious drug dealing going on. I wasn't actually the dealer, but it was obvious. It was all over the place, the scales, everything. <laughs> I got twenty hours of community service, and I had to attend a couple of drug rehab classes. And if I didn't get in trouble again, my record was expunged. So at 18, I could say, I've never been arrested. That's not the likely outcome if I'd been black. It just isn't in 1981. And we need to just be honest about that. (laughs) And I actually think that the penalty I received was reasonably proportionate to what I had done and that a much more harsh one would have only hardened me. And who knows? So in our demographic, black Americans are the obvious example here in PG County in our demographic. But it could be Native Americans. If you know anything of the history of the Polish people, it could be the Polish people. It could be the Irish, Joe, (laughs) white, brutally persecuted by white British, It could be the Tutsi getting genocided by the Hutu in Rwanda. It could be the Jews by the Egyptians on the Passover or in the Holocaust. And in all of these cases, we need to remember. And confession, just being able to verbalize it and talk about it, is good for the soul. We just have to be careful as we do it that we don't give room to the enemy. God knows what he's doing when he calls the enemy devil and Satan because that's what he does. And devil most literally means cast between and Satan means adversary. So in the face of all of this, it's easy to get very divided and adversarial. And that kind of stuff takes on a life of its own because it has a life of its own. This is what Satan does, especially he's going to target the people of God to try to obfuscate and hide really the only way to demolish the dividing wall of hostility and create an eternal hope in the future. So we have to frame the issue spiritually as the one universal church, Revelation 7, people of every kindred, tribe, nation, tongue, language. You have to think a little more deeply. I, I pointed to Joe with Irish because I know from knowing him that his ancestors only came to the United States in the 1910s, roughly. But you can easily look at him white, systemic oppression, black. Joe's ancestors fled systemic oppression. <laughs> what did they have to do with our nations? See, we, we, we have to look more deeply if we're really going to make good judgments and really be the church. And then you have a passage like this, and God's foundation. So there's a then, it's on the back of your bulletin. There's a now, how, who, and a conclusion. And none of them are all that long, but the then is, remember the past. Therefore, remember, an imperative, not a suggestion. <laughs> He's telling these Ephesian believers, you need to remember your history. And, it's not just, and he uses the understanding of that day. You Gentiles, he throws them all into one big basket. Not because Paul doesn't respect different cultures, he mentions them, it, but just in the history of redemption, if we were really gonna identify with any one ethnic group and say, yeah, that, they have an advantage it would be the Jews. Because they had, from Abraham really, but especially from Moses, they had 1,400 years of training preparing them to receive Christ. Paul talks in Romans about how they were like natural branches. They had been cultivated for hundreds, even thousands of years. But then they didn't believe. And they're broken off. Meanwhile, wild branches believed, and they're grafted in. So it comes down to belief. And the Gentiles were the wild branches. They hadn't been cultivated. Not that God isn't working. The true light that lights every man was coming into the world. God works in people's hearts. But the one ethnic group that had gotten, you know, centuries of direct focus and training was the Jewish people. But then they didn't combine it with faith. Some did, but most did not. Meanwhile, you have Gentiles coming in without any of the advantage of that lineage, and they believe. But Paul makes a point of saying, remember, remember. Remember your past. Don't live in it. But remember it. And remember that sooner or later we're all dying and leaving this world, so where really is our hope placed? Because if we don't have faith in a covenant relationship with God, then we are separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. Why? Because we are without God in the world, and we're all going to leave this world and go meet Him. So if you're without God and you meet Him, that's not good. Excluded strangers no hope without god that's them and that's before christ everything we talked about last week being dead in your trespasses and sins as dave did a good job emphasizing in sunday school All right now we get to now and now is get in the present because the real hope is christ So he goes, remember then, but then verse 3, but now, (laughs) in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what brings us near to our hope. And it's Christ. We have to always keep coming back to that. That's the foundation. Paul's most powerful theological phrase is, in Christ. That's the one he repeats just again and again and again in his letters. It makes all the difference. If you're outside Christ, you have no citizenship. You're excluded. You're alienated. You have no hope. Now, humans are persistent about wanting hope. We're made for hope, so we'll invent hope. But the brutal assessment is, outside of Christ, there is no hope. And in Christ, we have all the hope that can never be taken from us. So we need to get in Christ and get in the present moment and focus on what we have in common in Christ. Because that's what's brought us near. That's the now, but the big question is, okay, well, how do I do that? (laughs) How do I stay in the present and look forward in Christ? And he says, how? Framing your point of view of redeeming the soul and giving people hope beyond this world. For he himself is our peace. Well, how? Act like you believe the gospel. <laughs> Act like it. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. So that's Jews and then Gentiles, which is every other ethnic group. and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And how can we not feel that? Tanya was feeling it, of course, with everything that went on today, what's going on in our world now. And don't put your hope in politicians. (laughs) I had a couple conversations with an actual black Muslim who's trying to do renovative work in DC. And he talked about one political party and said, Man, you guys have been making promises to my people for 50 years, and my hood is still a hood, and you keep sucking me in. Politicians specialize in divide and conquer so they keep power. I'm not even talking about a party. (laughs) And the church has to be better than that, and smarter than that. He is our peace. We need to get in the present. Here's what he says For he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. You want to get in the present moment and say, How do we do that? and really act like you believe the gospel? Break down walls. Go become who you're trying to reach. This can be on a low level of, well, we've never done church that way before. We like our style of service. But it might be a wall to the very people you're trying to reach. But we have our preferences. Break them down. Break down the walls. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You take the initiative to do it. Break down the wall. And to break down the wall, you're going to have to get past the rules. I'm not saying rules aren't important. But even the rules that God himself directly gave were insufficient much less the rules we make up. Paul talks about, look, the big dividing law was the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. And what did did God have to do to that? Abolish the law by fulfilling. Jesus makes that clear. He didn't sin. He fulfilled the moral demands of the law. But the Jews and Gentiles were never going to be one if the Jews were trying to make the Gentiles follow their cultural things that no longer had spiritual validity because they'd been fulfilled in Christ. The Jews could do them. That was fine. Paul had Timothy circumcised, not Titus. Timothy's mother was a Jew. That made Timothy a Jew, technically a half-Jew, but viewed as Jewish. Titus was a Gentile. Paul honored their culture with Timothy, but he didn't impose it on Titus. And that really angered his native culture. You can read it in Acts. He can talk about believing in Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And people are listening or listening. he says, and I brought it to the Gentiles. What? (laughs) That happens again and again in the book of Acts. Like, they didn't agree with him about this Jesus fellow. But the fact that he was going beyond their expectations and their culture, that's when his people turned on him. And they were like, well, maybe if you make them become Jews first. And Paul's like, nope. Not doing that. Because you have to pursue reconciliation in your heart. And that means you have to be really good at letting go of all the stuff that's really just your culture. Not because your culture doesn't have value, but because loving your brother has more value. So that's pursuing reconciliation in your heart. And that's God's heart. Everything that's driving him is he has a heart for reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting mankind's sins against them. Therefore, we urge you, you be reconciled. Have a heart for reconciliation. That's what keeps God pushing through it. Is His heart's already there. And Paul brings it up here that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. A heart for reconciliation. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who were near. He preached peace. And finally, he rejected separate but equal. Because separate but equal isn't really equal. He says it here, doesn't say it that way. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. <laughs> but he says in verse 18 For through him we both have access in one spirit. And I don't have time to unpack this today. We will as we come up again. When Paul mentions spirit in Ephesians, it comes up like 14 times. It is not easy to tell when he's talking about the Holy Spirit and just your spirit. Because we're supposed to be keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Even Ephesians 5, which we'll eventually get to, when he says, be filled with the spirit, that makes it sound passive. When you really look at that passage, he's saying, keep filling your spirit. And how do you fill your spirit? With the spirit. But the focus is active. You need, this is something you need to do to yourself. And this is what he's saying here is we both have access in one spirit. Our spirit needs to be one, whether Jew, Gentile, white, black, Irish, British. Do you believe the gospel? Then act like it. Because that's what he's saying here. The the divide between Jew and Gentile on that day was enormous and centuries old. So, act like you believe the gospel. Verses 14 through 18. Go do that. Everything that Paul was trying to do and that he's challenging the Ephesians to do, go do. That's your how, but you're not going to be good at the how If you don't answer the who. And here the who, I'm not so much focused on Christ. This is all possible of Christ. But you have to examine what you really identify with. What do you really base your identity in? Is it the fact that you're a citizen of heaven? Verse 19. That you are a saint? Verse 19. That you are a member of the household of God? Verse 19. That you are a holy temple in the Lord? Verse 21. By the way, I don't see anything mentioned there about ethnicity, economic status, free, slave, male, female. See, those, those things are all there. And Paul isn't dismissing them. He's just saying, what do you really identify with? C.S. Lewis nailed it when he wrote the book Mere Christianity, which is a book I read that I got saved reading that book because he wrote in his preface, everybody keeps talking about Christianity and, Christianity and, Christianity and racial reconciliation, Christianity and politics, Christianity and this, Christianity and that. Okay, how about just mere Christianity? Because it seems like the temptation he's talking about is when you keep saying Christianity and this, Christianity and this, it's really you're passionate about this and you hijack Christianity to promote this. That's a danger, and he saw it in the 1950s. And all those other things might be good, but it's really kind of like a cart before the horse thing. Really, what are you identifying with? And Christianity has a lot to say about all those things. I just rattled it off. But let's make sure we keep it. I'm serious about being a Christian. That's my identity. so that we conclude in the same place that Paul concluded. Build people, not programs. The, uh, all those things about examine who you are, I skipped over verse 20 because he puts this one phrase. Look, you're not a stranger in Christ. You're not an alien in Christ. You are a citizen. You are a saint. You are a member of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Himself the cornerstone. We can't skip verse 20. Remembering the past, getting in the present, acting like we actually believe the gospel, examining what we ultimately identify with, these are all important. But we have to stay on the foundation. Of the apostles and prophets building on anything else is shifting sand it does not get us above these principalities and powers because the only way you can get above them is in christ and what do we know about christ from the apostles and new testament prophets this is how we get above all this division in a way that honors god One of the great challenges facing the church is a willingness to dismiss what the New Testament apostles and prophets say, because we've just grown beyond that point, which means we're trusting in our genius, our intellect. The church is not built on genius or intellect. It is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. These are the people who were, yeah, they had a pretty good teacher. Um, I think his name was Jesus. <laughs> they lived with him for three and a half years, day in, day out. We have the same spirit they have, because of what Christ has done, we don't have that advantage. We're not eyewitnesses of Christ, personally taught by him. That's why they're the foundation. We need to make sure we stay on that. Otherwise, we're not really building people in a way that's gonna last when we leave this world. What does it profit you if you actually won and gained the whole world, but lose yourself? Lose your soul? The one hope for our soul is the foundation that God has already laid starting with this cornerstone Jesus and those apostles and prophets and eyewitnesses. That's how we build people. And it's amazing to see God do that if we just keep our heads in the right place. And he's doing it here, and we've seen it today with how he's pulled things together. So thank you for that. Be a habitation of God's Spirit. Let's build on God's foundation together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day and this time. Help us to be people who truly build on your foundation and help us to really show the world that in Christ we can abolish walls of hostility and really celebrate what Christ has done for all people. And I thank you for what the American Black Experience can teach us about a theology of suffering and the capacity to suffer well and for a long time and not lose hope. Help us to gain those lessons and remember our past. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.